Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Let's go into that chapter, right, this new chapter here. But the first two verses of this chapter <coughs> are really tied to the previous chapter that we just finished and the things that we were talking about in terms of being ministers of reconciliation. So keep that in mind as we start reading in Second Corinthians chapter 6. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. <coughs> I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. So, <coughs> as we talked about last week, that, you know, the ministers of reconciliation that we are and the fact that we are co-workers with God, the time is short. This passage, this chapter opens with this verse, now is the day of salvation. Time is short to let others know that they can be saved from their sin through the favor of God and be restored in relationship with God. That's what we need to have as a sense of urgency, that we would say to others, we need you to know the will of God and to be reconciled with him. Now, as we study the epistles of Paul, you'll notice that Paul frequently returns to themes or examples or even similar phrases that had been previously stated. Here, Paul continues to defend his ministry and his apostleship. He defends his integrity and his witness by listing the troubles he faces from without and his response of character and calling from within. So that's what's going on. So very familiar phrases, very familiar things that he's talking about. He's continuing to defend his ministry. Remember, the Corinthians were attacking him. They just were coming at him in all sorts of different ways and putting him down and so on. So let's start with the troubles from without. The troubles from without 
as we've already considered, Paul is confident that his light and momentary troubles on earth don't compare to the eternal glory he will have with the Lord Jesus when his life on earth comes to an end. He says these are light and momentary troubles. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't matter. But in verse 5, he lists all the troubles he has already faced. Beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. And then in verses 8 to 10, he lists other troubles in a series of contrasting juxtapositions. And he says, I, we're receiving dishonor instead of glory. We're getting a bad report instead of a good report. We are being genuine and sincere, not offending anyone, being careful not to be discredited, yet we are regarded as imposters. We are known, yet we are regarded as unknown. We are dying, and yet we are living on. We are beaten and yet not killed. We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We are poor, yet making many rich. We have nothing, and yet we possess everything. So he's making this, this list here. He's, paying, you know, he's listing all this out. And these don't seem like light and momentary troubles, right? I mean, especially when you think about what we may be going through. We're like, mm, you know, no riots, no imprisonments, no beatings. You know, nobody's discrediting us. We're getting a lot of glory, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, we're like, oh, okay. And he still refers to those things as light and momentary troubles. But what he goes through... <clears throat> especially in that, you know, the second part in verses 8 through 10. It's a similar list in content and style of expression to what we read in chapter 4, where Paul said he was hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. So there in chapter 4, he was contrasting his internal state of heart and mind to his external troubles. He said, all these troubles are coming at me, but this is what's going on inside me, right? Here in chapter 6, he's contrasting his testimony, the way that he is living and how he, you know, responds and such. He's contrasting his testimony to others' troublemaking opinions of him. They are creating trouble by having all of these kinds of thoughts and opinions and words and attacks and so on. And he says, here's my testimony that counters that. But Paul's point is that no matter what the type of trouble, he is not overcome by it. No matter what the trouble, he will remain faithful as a servant of God. He will endure these troubles, hardships, and distresses. And how does he endure them? He responds to these external troubles with the presence of God. Being in the Holy Spirit is how he says it. The presence of God and the power of God from within. The power of God to manifest specific spiritual qualities. And that's our focus this morning. Not so much about the troubles from without, but really our responses from within. Here's the list of what's in Paul's heart, the spiritual qualities that come out from within him when he is troubled, when he is shaken. When all these troubles come at me, when I'm shaken, 
This is what comes out. Look at verses 6 and 7. When dealing with troubles from without, he responds with purity, understanding, patience, kindness, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, sincere love, truthful speech, and the power of God. Just read that list again. When we are treated unjustly ourselves, what do we want to do? We want to fight back. When we are dishonored or slandered, we seek to set the record straight. If someone thinks of us as a poor, sorrowful, unknown, dying imposter without honor, them's fighting words, what do we do? We want to be seen as a spiritually rich, full of life, honorable, well-regarded servant of God who is making a difference in the world. We are ready to fight for our reputation and defend our rights. The Lord asks us to deal with our troubles differently than the world or our flesh. Instead of reacting with an equal and opposite force to whatever comes against us, we are to respond with a counterintuitive spiritual reality. Instead of responding to evil with evil, we overcome evil with good by being transformed into the image of Christ as maturing disciples of Christ and then manifesting a Christ-like response to whatever comes our way. We don't respond in kind. We say, Lord God, you change me. You transform me so that the way that I respond will not be what is expected. Not expected by the world, not even expected by my flesh. My flesh wants to do something else but I will respond differently. Now, in the previous weeks, we have considered what it means to be regularly filled with the Holy Spirit, to manifest the Holy Spirit, and to be empowered by God. It is always the power of God that must undergird every response from within. So this morning, I want to focus on those six other spiritual qualities that are listed here. And again, this is a familiar list, but it bears Repeating. These are truths that bear repeating and truths that need to get deep into us. So let's go through these spiritual qualities. And these things that I read out to you, these are coming straight out of Bible dictionaries and you know, references and so on that give you a way to understand these words. But the way that we would apply these truths, the way that we would apply these scriptures, that's up to you. Nobody can make you do it. Nobody can teach you enough so that then you do that. That's between you and God that you would say, Lord, make this true in my life. I don't want to just hear about the fact that Paul responded this way, even when people were doing all sorts of things to him. I want to be able to live like this myself. And so, let's go through each one of these qualities. The first one being purity. Purity is sanctification. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to make us holy, to consecrate us, to set us apart. It is sanctification resulting from spiritual renewal and cleansing, allowing us to stand with integrity before God and before others. 
Think about that. So that idea that we are being purified, constant process, this idea that God is at work in us. We're yielding to the Holy Spirit. When we say more of the Spirit, what are we saying? Take more of me, Lord. Fill, mo fill more of me up with your Holy Spirit. And we're saying, change me, transform me, let the blood of Jesus come on me, cleanse me from my sin, and purify me. Make me pure within you. Let my thoughts be pure. Let my actions be pure. Let my life be pu pure. Let there be an integrity. Let there be, when you, know, when you look at something that is pure, when you look at pure white, you say, that, you know, I can see that. But even if there is a speck, you know, you take a, paint a can, can of white paint. You just have to put one drop of some other color in it and it, you can tell it's no longer that pure white. Right? That is the way that we are supposed to be before the Lord. That the, When people see us they would say, I see the purity of God. I see the integrity, the wholeness of God. Purity. Second, understanding. This is God-given perception of the nature and meaning of things. This is having word of knowledge. This is understanding by the Spirit. This is receiving God's insight. God says to you, this is what's going on. This is what you need to pay attention to. And it results in sound judgment and decision making. And in particular, the ability to discern spiritual truth, understand God's word and God's purposes, and to apply it in all of our human interactions and conduct. So the understanding of God coming to us, that we would cry out for that. The Bible says that we would cry out for understanding, for wisdom, for the presence of the Lord in these ways. Third, so purity, understanding. Third, patience. The quality of forbearance and self-control which shows itself particularly in a willingness to wait upon God and His will and to deal patiently with others. So that even if you're waiting on the Lord, you're not saying, Oh God, how come I haven't received this yet? I prayed for this yesterday. I prayed for this three minutes ago. How come I haven't? No, but rather to be patient, to wait on Him, to await His will to be fulfilled. And... In turn, to be patient with others. How come this person hasn't changed? How come they won't listen to me? How come they won't do this? Lord, I've been praying. To be patient and forbearing, to be self-controlled, so that you don't express your impatience. Right? That you would have this work of the Lord in you. Children of God are called upon to be patient in their expectations of God's actions and in their relationships with others. <clears throat> this patience that the Lord demonstrates in His dealings with us is the way that we have to deal with others. Clearly, the Bible says, the Lord has been patient with us. Not, not bringing down on us those things that we deserve, but instead patiently allowing us to become changed, transformed, to become like Him. Number four, Kindness, the quality of compassion and generosity, characteristic of God's dealings towards everyone and especially the weak and the poor. That there would be an act of kindness 
that when somebody is hurting, somebody is needing, somebody is not able to accomplish something on their own, that we would assist, we would help, we would be there for them to show that kind of kindness. And this is not, you know, nobody may know that you're doing this. This is not a public act of charity. This is not so that you'll be on TV, you know, I've just done this. This is kindness even in secret. But to be kind in those ways, to be generous in those ways, to be reaching out to people in that way. And number five is related to that. It is sincere love. Not love as, you know, reciprocal love, right? I will do this for you so that you can do this for me. It's not that kind of a relationship. It is agape love, the love of God that would be extended unconditionally to someone regardless of whether they love you back and regardless of whether they deserve it. Sincere love, a caring commitment in which affect, affection and delight are shown to others. A sincere love which is grounded in the nature and love of God himself. And then number six, truthful speech. Learning the truth of God from the Holy Spirit, our teacher, and speaking the truth of God by the Holy Spirit to others in love, in sincere love, not just blasting them, right? Let me tell you the truth. You're a terrible person, you know? I mean, if, I mean, if that's your approach, you're not going to get anywhere. But if we are able to speak truth as the Lord would need you to speak that truth with sincere love, with kindness, with patience, all of that, then that truthful speech is going to make a difference to other people around us. And keep in mind that we looked at this even last week. We are accountable for our words. So truthful speech is very important. That is necessary for us to bring before the Lord. Now, Think of what would happen if every time there was trouble in our lives, we responded with at least these six qualities. Instead of saying, what do I need to say? Who do I need to see? What do I need to set right? How much do they owe me? What if you had a checklist? You know, you had a pad of paper on every on every page it had just these six items purity understanding patience kindness sincere love truthful speech and problem number one trouble number one you say yep got purity got sincere love mm, not so kind okay would you would we do it like that would we go through a checklist of these qualities before we seek for that trouble to be addressed would we say lord god what is in me what is coming out of my mouth? What is the overflow of my heart? When this trouble hits me, when this troublesome person hits me, when all these situations go against me, when I had set out to do this and all sorts of things come at it, do I look and see whether this is what's in me? Purity, understanding, patience, kindness, sincere love, truthful speech, all made possible because we are in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit is at work. Ah. 
Now, you listen to all of this and you hear all of this and you say, well, that sounds pretty passive. You don't know the troubles I've seen. You don't know the troublesome people that I've encountered. You don't know what they did to me. And all of this sounds like you're just going to be a doormat. This kind of a response will just let others take advantage of me. All right? If I'm just kind and patient and you know, speaking with sincere love, they're just going to roll all over me. And we're not standing up for what is right. If we work, you know, live like this, we're not standing up for what is right. Well, just for all of you who think that way or who have that thought there, notice the last phrase in verse 7. It is that we are to stand with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. So there's nothing docile about a child of God. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. We're called to fight. The difference, and this is the big difference, is that our weapons are not the weapons of this world. And we don't fight flesh and blood. So if you think you've got to stand up and defend yourself and fight for your rights and do all of these kinds of things, do it. But do it not with the weapons of this world. And don't do it against people. You see, very quickly here, we'll come back to this, this point, this truth, when we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So for those of you who are reading ahead, you would have encountered this, this, this set of truths already. This idea that we don't fight against flesh and blood. And when we get to 2 Corinthians 10, we'll deal with what it means to demolish the strongholds of our mind. It says to take captive thoughts or to demolish strongholds. And you know, these are the weapons that we have, not the weapons of the world. And so on, we'll come to all of that. But in this chapter here, in chapter 6, we're dealing with how to arm ourselves with the weapons of righteousness that are characterized by the spiritual qualities that we just went through. Because we are to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, because we are to take our stand against the devil's schemes, because our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, we put on the armor of God that we learned about in Ephesians chapter 6. We have our heads covered with the helmet of salvation. Our chests with the breastplate of righteousness. We have the belt of truth around our waist. The preparation of the gospel on our feet. And the shield of faith. And the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. In our right hand and our left. We're not just passive. We're not waiting for an attack. We are well armored we are well defending we are defended we are offending or on the offensive in terms of their attack our attack but whom against whom against principalities and powers against our own flesh against those things that would be contrary to the will of god and so when we do that 
when we respond in those ways, we respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by dealing appropriately with our troubles. Now, when we get to chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says, we'll see this, you know, we'll read this, Paul was confronted with conflicts and troubles in Macedonia. And right after he has said all this in chapter 6, in, verse, in chapter 7, he says, when we were confronted with troubles from in Macedonia, so all these conflicts without, the way he responded was with fears within. He says, conflicts without, fears within. That doesn't sound like these spiritual qualities that we just read. Paul is telling you, he's a human being just like you. And no matter how much we desire to do this, and no matter how much we say, oh, I'm going to do this, I've got my checklist ready. And, you know, I've got, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, to confront every trouble in this way. And I'm ready to stand. And I'm putting on the armor of God. Be aware, even as I was reminding us last week, be aware that there will be occasions, there will be opportunities, there will be situations where your first response is not that of faith. Where your first response is not to say, okay, let me think pure thoughts. Where your first response is not to, you know, rather than, uh, I'm going to kill this guy. You know, you know I, your first response is not to be patient. Your first response is not to do all those things that the Lord is calling you to. Your first response may be fear. Your first response may be anger. Your first response may be outrage. In the middle of it all. You know what? We're going to come into this and we see this repeatedly in the past and I'll say this again today. But God. In verse, in, that's how Paul states it. He says, but God. God who comforts. God who fills us regularly with himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. God who gives understanding and wisdom. God who loves God who empowers. God who enables us to stand. God who is with us, who says, I will never leave you and never forsake you. God who says, I have a plan and a purpose for you, not to bring you to harm, not to be upset or, or to be defeated by this trouble that's coming at you, but I will bring you and prosper you and I will bring you into all that I have purposed for you and I will fulfill my promises to you. But God, that God will be with you is with you. When we are confronting troubles from without, how can you have a response of God from within when you realize, when you give way to, when you are fully and completely covered over in the presence of God who says, I will fight your battle for you. That's what we sang about. The battle belongs to the Lord. We come into troubles, we come into situations, we come into all these kind of troubles, uh, battles, and we say, I better fight. But no, that's not what the Lord is asking you to do. He says, the battle belongs to me. I want you to simply trust in me. I want you to rely on me. I want you to come to me. I want you to depend on me. I want you to 
be aware of what I can do. And as you are aware of what I can do, you will pay attention not to how the battle goes, not to whether the trouble is addressed. You notice that when Paul says these things, and even when he lists all this stuff, he doesn't tell you how every single situation was resolved. He doesn't give you a list of accomplishments. He doesn't say, you know, and in this one, you know, I was able to get back like this. And in this situation, I recovered like this. And in that place, you know, I was able to uh, triumph over them and I won the argument, you know. He doesn't say anything like that. When the battles are raging, when troubles come, the measure that we need to ask of ourselves or the measure that we need to take of ourselves is this. Are we being transformed? Are we being filled? So that what is being filled up in us and therefore coming out of us, what is our response to the trouble is purity, understanding, patience, kindness, sincere love, truthful speech. Again, purity, understanding, patience, kindness, sincere love, truthful speech. I don't have to keep track of what's happened to the other person. I just need to keep track of what's happening inside me. I need to ask the Lord, Lord God, am I being changed into your likeness day by day to manifest these things? Is it somebody who's meeting me now able to see that I am purer, kinder, more patient? Are they able to see that I am more loving? Is that happening? If so, oh, I have everything. If not, oh God, I am prone to have fears within. Many times we react in all sorts of ways to other people because we are afraid of what will happen. We are shameful. We have you know, all the cycle of fear, shame, control raging in us. But the Lord is very faithful to us. So that in spite of all of that, he's able to say, I am with you. I am with you. And I will be there for you. This morning I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that this point of application for us, you know, troubles will come. Troubles will come. That's a promise. Right? Troubles will come, but when they come, what will you do? If we tell you or if we try to go week by week and cover how to deal with specific type of troubles, right? we'll be spending the next 30, 40 years and we won't be done. But I can tell you how you need to face your trouble. Rely on the Lord Jesus. Let him make the change. Even as I close in prayer, if you're going to linger here, just continue to pray. Just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. By all means, do that. We'll be done with the service as such. But I encourage you, today, later through the day, through the week, whatever, keep dealing with this matter. Keep going back to this list. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to work this in you so that the Holy Spirit has His way and that you are being changed to manifest each one of these attributes these spiritual qualities as your response from within to the troubles that come from without. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much.
that Lord you love us and you care for us so much that you have given us these kinds of words to apply. You didn't leave us to ourselves and you didn't tell us, oh well, you figure it out. You gave us this very clear instruction. And so we pray, Father, that we may appropriate your word, that we may let your word take root in us, we may let it grow in us, we may let it bear fruit so that, Lord, these are the things that will be manifest. This will be the fruit that is born. Help us, Lord. Grant us grace, Lord. Let your power be manifest. Oh, God, we need you. We trust you. We look to you. Thank you, Lord, for your instruction in terms of how we can respond to trouble. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.